Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin, where I look at every single Prime Minister in Canadian history, but this is part two, where I look at the leaders of the official opposition who never became Prime Minister. If you like, you can support the podcast for $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. Canadian History X, which releases every Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Coast to Coast, which looks at the building of the Transcontinental Railway every single Thursday. And Canada's Great War, which looks at Canada and the First World War every single Sunday. I do all of these podcasts full-time. I do the writing, the research, everything. So, anything you donate helps keep it all going. As well, if you leave a five-star review, I'll make sure I mention you on the air. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. For three years, Richard Hansen led the Conservatives, at least in the official opposition, during a transitional period for the party and through the bulk of the Second World War. His story is not a long one, but as with many others, I will profile in this series... For a time, he was one of the most important individuals in Canada. Born on March 20, 1879 in New Brunswick to Richard and Hannah Hansen, he would attend public schools in St. Andrews, New Brunswick, and then went on to Mount Allison University and Dalhousie Law School. By the time he was done with his education, he would have a Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Law. In November of 1902, he was called to the Bar of New Brunswick, in 1906, he would marry Jean Belfort Neal of Fredericton, and the couple would have one daughter. In 1917, he was named to the King's Council, and from 1918 to 1920, he served as the mayor of Fredericton, and he was elected by acclamation. After serving as mayor, Hansen would turn his attention to federal politics. On May 29, 1921, he would be elected to the House of Commons for the York-Sudbury Riding, carrying the riding by over 1,000 votes ahead of his competitor, he would say, quote, The results of the York-Sunbury polling unquestionably demonstrates that once the electors appreciate the true political issues now before the public, the verdict is bound to be in favor of a confirmation of the fiscal policy which has been in force in this country with the common consent of all shades of political thought, end quote. For the next 14 years, he would serve in the House of Commons, including in 1934, when he was appointed as the Minister of Trade and Commerce. During that same time, he also served as the city solicitor for Fredericton from 1920 to 1926, and the director of several companies, including the Fraser Companies and the New Brunswick Telephone Company. In 1930, when the R.B. Bennett government came to power, Hansen received the largest majority of votes in his riding, of any federal candidate to that point in Canadian history. In 1932, he would serve on the Commons Committee on Railway and Telegraphs and also chair at the Banking and Commerce Committee in 1934. Following his election defeat in 1935, he would stay away from politics for the remainder of the Great Depression, except in July of 1938 when he was the chairman of the Resolutions Committee at the National Conservative Convention. He would primarily work during this time with his law firm in Fredericton. In the March 26, 1940 federal election, he was returned to the House of Commons despite the poor showing of the Conservatives in that election. In that election, Hansen was just one of two former ministers from the R.B. Bennett days 
to remain in the House of Commons. With the defeat of Robert Mannion in the election and the subsequent resignation of the leader of the party, speculation on who would be the new leader rose up, and Hansen quickly became the front-runner. Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King at first did not think much of Hansen taking over as leader. He would write in his diary on March 28, 1940, quote, The feeling that Hansen would not be a fit leader of any party and is not of good health all agreed with my view that Grote Sterling would be the first choice, particularly for the first session. Sterling, of course, would never become leader. King had a good reason to wonder about the health of Hansen. Hansen had recently gone through heart trouble, and some believe that he had a stroke just prior to being elected to the House of Commons. On May 14, 1940, Hansen took over as leader of the Conservative Party. There was no formal voting in the convention but 31 members of the party in the House of Commons did vote for a new leader. There was the hope among the party that Mannion would stay on as leader, but since he did not want to due to his ill health, a new leader needed to be chosen. On the fifth ballot of voting among party members, by a narrow margin, Hansen was chosen as the new leader. Five names were also on the ballot including Joseph Harris, Howard Green, Grote Sterling, and A.C. Castleman. Sterling dropped out on the first ballot, while Castleman and Green took last place on the second ballot. By the fifth ballot, it was only Harris and Hansen. With the new job as opposition leader, he would also get a raise to $10,000 per year and $2,000 in an automobile allowance. In all, he would receive $16,000 per year, which would be about $285,000 today. The Ottawa citizen would write upon his election as opposition leader, quote, Mr. Hansen is regarded as a clever, forceful debater and one who is expected to give strong leadership to the Conservative group in the House of Commons as long as he continues in that capacity. End quote. King would write in his diary, quote, I received word that Hansen had been chosen House leader. It was a relief to my mind to know that Harris was not appointed. I rang up Hansen once. He was still in the meeting but later called me. I congratulated him on the expression of confidence of his fellow members, said I would like to see him as soon as was convenient, offered to do so tonight to talk over business of the house. He thanked me cordially and said that he was glad that he was older than he had been when he first previously entered the house. End quote. King would then tell Hansen that he felt they would get along well in the house, and the two men would meet later that evening. King would write in his diary, quote, Hansen came over to my house. I congratulated him on his appointment, was shocked, however, at his appearance. More particularly, as he began to talk with me, I should not be surprised to see him pass away in the house and die before the present session of Parliament is over. End quote. King would get along well with Hansen in that meeting, but he would write that Hansen had a habit of talking at length of little things instead of listening to what others are saying. King would write, quote, he was kindly and I think means to work cordially with me. I understand he was chosen by a majority of only one over Harris. I am thankful Harris was not chosen. Sterling, to my amazement, was one of the first to be dropped because I assume he was the most gentlemanly of all. End quote. In the House of Commons, Hansen was described as, quote, An imposing figure in his front opposition bench, Mr. Hansen was always impeccably dressed in the semi-formal manner of an earlier generation. He always wore wing collars, frequently used a grey waistcoat under a black cutaway, and waved his black-rimmed glasses to emphasize a point. End quote. The Victoria Times colonist would write on July 2, 1940, 
about Hansen bringing the party back from the brink, stating, quote, He has overshot his mark to the extent of making himself in recent weeks one of the most dramatic figures in Parliament. He has done this by staging the wholly unlooked for feat of skillfully shepherding a largely oblivious Tory party back to the general neighborhood of traditional conservative politics. End quote. The growing respect of King for Hansen was also apparent. The same article would state, quote, It is apparent to all observers that Prime Minister King holds him in healthy respect as a parliamentarian antagonist and does not engage him in combat on the floor of the House with the same recklessness with which he used to be willing at all times to engage Dr. Mannion. End quote. In the spring of 1941, King wanted to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the death of Sir John A. MacDonald. He would create a committee to plan a ceremony in Kingston, and on the committee was Richard Hansen, who would speak at the event to honor MacDonald. He would say, quote, Canadians who inherited the early fruits of MacDonald's work to strive to make of this nation the best that is possible for all of our people. In diversity, there can only be true unity. End quote. In July, Hansen would take his first trip across the country in 22 years as part of his own campaign to raise the profile of the Conservative Party. In Vancouver, he would say, quote, Ottawa is the greatest sounding board in Canada, but in Ottawa, unfortunately, one isn't always able to form a true estimate of public opinion. Mr. King came home having seen exactly what he wished to see. We intend to see for ourselves. End quote. In November 1941, Arthur Meehan was appointed the new leader of the party, a position he once held as Prime Minister in the 1920s. Unfortunately for Meehan, he did not win a seat in a by-election. At the time, it was customary for the leader of a party without a seat to run uncontested in a riding. While Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King did not run a Liberal candidate as per custom, he did put Liberal resources behind the Cooperative Commonwealth Federation's candidate, who defeated Meehan in the riding. With that defeat, Hansen stayed on as the leader of the party. In meeting with Hansen, King would write in his diary, quote, That he never really wanted it, that he was pressed into it at the start, only for a year and then had to continue on, and that while he had not to do with him, he would have been glad to have Meehan take over, but Meehan's defeat made necessary for him to continue on. That he told the party over and over again he did not want to stay, was only doing so because there was no one else. End quote. In September 1941, he would travel to Britain as part of the war effort, and upon his return he hoped that he could bring home to Canadians the menace of war. He would state, quote, I wish that I could add something to the sum total knowledge of the people about this. End quote. Even though he was the opposition leader, Hansen decided to cooperate with the leading liberals as much as possible during wartime, while still offering criticism when he felt it was warranted. For example, he would not give an opinion on conscription, only stating that Canada would need more fighting power and that the government would have to decide how to raise it. Of course, this was different from July 1941, when he stated, quote, Conscription or national service, to call it by its right name, is an all but accomplished fact. One missing cog stalls the machine. Voluntary enlistment has failed. They say they have obtained the 32,000 recruits asked, but what is that number compared to the total required when the real test comes? End quote. Hansen was well-liked throughout Parliament Hill. He would often entertain the press gallery in the magpie room of the Parliament buildings, 
and the get-togethers were described as being without formality with well-turned jibes at the Liberal regime. Hansen would remain the leader of the opposition until January 1, 1943, when Gordon Graydon took over. King would meet with Hansen on January 26, 1943, and would write in his diary, quote, I confess he looked to me as though he might pass away at any moment. We had quite a long and pleasant talk together. He thought it a good thing that the younger men were taking hold, end quote. Hansen would tell King he had a heart attack recently and his pulse was running at 150. King would write, quote, Explain the symptoms of a tightening of the jugular vein as well as feeling pain around the heart. That he had gone to Miami one time and had to give up a couple days with a heart attack. He was afraid this attack might come on while he was speaking in the house. Did not want anything of the kind to happen. End quote. King, for his part, had respect for Hansen in Parliament, and he would write on May 16, 1940, quote, I confess I felt also more at ease with Hansen than I have with any of his predecessors, not because he has an evil tongue and might use it freely, but he at least talks to one across the floor as if he were sharing in the responsibilities of government. He also has a parliamentary experience which helps to give one more of a reassuring feeling. He lacks the contemptuousness of Mayan, the superior pompousness of Bennett, and Mannion's irritability. End quote. The Edmonton Journal would describe Hansen as such. Quote, he was ably fitted for the role of opposition leader and assumed his responsibilities with a zeal that ensured the closest scrutiny of the tremendous wartime expenditures and unprecedented wartime powers which Parliament voted the government. End quote. Unlike the previous conservative leaders that I have featured in the past few episodes, Hansen would never actually be elected as leader, but instead simply would serve as leader. For the remainder of his parliamentary career, even though he had taken on a less prominent position, he was known for jumping to his feet ahead of party leaders to protest or argue when he felt that an attack should be made on legislation being debated by the government. The Montreal Gazette would write, quote, in 1943, when the leadership of the party in the House was given to Gordon Graydon, Hansen continued to serve his party with undiminished keenness of interest. End quote. Hansen would choose not to run in the 1945 election, choosing instead to support Lieutenant General Ernest Sampson, who himself would be defeated in his election bid. On July 14, 1948, Hansen would pass away. Upon his death, the Montreal Gazette would write, quote, Honorable R.B. Hansen loved the political arena. There, he enjoyed fighting a good fight, and in fighting it loyally and fairly. End quote. Now, when you look at the history books, John Bracken was the leader of the Conservatives beginning in 1942. But of course, this episode and the next episode won't focus on him. This is because Bracken was not actually elected into the House of Commons until 1945, and therefore was never the leader of the opposition, and that is what part two of this series is all about. Not the leaders of a party, but the leaders of the official opposition. As a result, Gordon Graydon will be the focus of next week's episode, followed by John Bracken on July 9th. I hope you enjoyed that episode, and my look at Richard Hansen. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at you can also visit my website where you will find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. 
just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W, Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Randall McCallum, Diane Wade, Lorianne Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-E-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Information comes from Academic Dictionaries and Encyclopedias, MyNewNewBrunswick.ca, Library and Archives Canada, Wikipedia, Canada's History, Edmonton Journal, Montreal Gazette, Ottawa Journal, Vancouver Sun, and the Victoria Times Colonist. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.